So our reading today is Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 23, which is found on page 1010 of the Church Bibles. So that's Mark chapter 7, beginning to read at verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what they might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Brilliant. Thank you, Martha. Uh, morning, everyone. Please uh, do keep your Bible open there on page 1010. Uh, we're continuing our series in Mark's Gospel, Table Talk, we've called it. Uh, but before we get into Mark 7, this next part of our series, uh, here's a little challenge for us. Four pictures on the screens. What do they all have in common? What's the link that they all have? Uh, a few seconds to chat about that, and we'll come back together.
Okay, that's, uh, that's not long, but uh, let's come back together. Uh, any ideas? Any ideas what they all have in common? They're all the wrong way around. Thanks, Louise. Um, yes, most obvious, the guy wearing a suit the wrong way around. Uh, above him, you've got Dak and Ant, not Ant and Dak. That's very troubling, isn't it, to see? Um, uh, someone driving through a roundabout the wrong way around. But my favorite one, um, probably the least obvious one, is this guy bottom left. Uh, he's called Mark Newman. His story is that back in 2016, he went on holiday uh, to Amsterdam with his wife. He brought a GoPro camera to film the holiday. Uh, and it was only when he got back, he realized the camera was pointing the wrong way around the whole time. Uh, uh, I think we've got some more, some more pictures from his holiday video. Uh, <laughs> and the whole thing was, uh, was of himself. Um, I really like that. Uh, that's quite funny. Um, but getting things the wrong way around can have serious consequences. Um, driving the wrong way around a roundabout, well, that, you know, that could go seriously wrong, couldn't it? And in this passage, Jesus is going to show us it's possible to get some things the wrong way around that really matter, that are very serious. And he wants to help us get things the right way around instead. So come to Mark 7. And in verses 1 to 5, Jesus, well, Mark, sets a scene for us. The Pharisees are back in the picture. We last met them back in chapter 3 when they clashed with Jesus. And here, these religious leaders, the Pharisees, they notice Jesus' disciples eating food with unwashed hands. Now, besides the hygiene issues uh, we might be concerned about there, uh, why does that matter? Well, Mark tells us the Pharisees have all these traditions to do with washing hands and cups and pitchers and kettles. Uh, you get the impression they're really rigorous about following a long list of practices, uh, almost obsessive. And the thing driving these practices isn't hygiene. It's about being clean in a religious sense, being clean before God. See, the Pharisees think like this. There were all sorts of things out there that could defile you. All sorts of stuff outside of you that if you come into contact with it, could make you unclean, infect you, contaminate you in God's sight. That's the problem. And so the solution, follow this whole system of traditions if you want to avoid becoming unclean. Washing your hands, your cups, your, your kettles, all that stuff. Uh, that's what will prevent you becoming dirty in God's sight. Now, it is true, um, the Bible, the Old Testament, did deal with matters of religious purity, but nowhere in the Old Testament did God require normal people to do these things. These traditions are extra things developed over time into a whole system of practices designed to keep uncleanness out there. That's the Pharisee system. Follow traditions to avoid defilement. And so you can see why when the Pharisees see Jesus' disciples eating with unclean hands, their alarm bells go off. You know, they're, they're ignoring the whole system. Jesus, verse 5, explain why your disciples don't live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. 
Well, Jesus is going to show how the Pharisees' whole system has things the wrong way around. And in doing so, uh, he's going to show us uh, what his priorities are for his followers. If you're a Christian or considering the Christian faith, we're going to learn Jesus' priorities for us. Two parts to Jesus' response. We're going to move more quickly through part one uh, because we've covered similar ground in some recent talks. But essentially, Jesus tells the Pharisees, you put human traditions above God's word. Imagine looking at verse 6, being among the Pharisees, and Jesus saying verse 6 to you. Strong stuff from Jesus, isn't it? Isaiah criticized God's people for empty worship uh, that looked pious, but the reality was hollow. And Jesus says, you Pharisees are guilty of the same vain worship, paying lip service to God, but actually just busying yourself with a religious system of your own making. And in particular, it's verse 8. Jesus says their system puts human traditions above God's word, that man-made teachings uh, have a higher status than the commands of God. Now, notice what Jesus does there. He separates out God's word and human traditions. He puts them in different boxes. Jesus says, there were words handed down from other people, tradition, oh, progress, um, and then there were words handed down from God, God's word. They're different things. Now, which box does the Bible belong in, according to Jesus? Well, verse 10, Jesus quotes Moses' words from Scripture, and in verse 9, he calls them God's command. In verse 13, he calls them uh, God's word. So how does Jesus see Scripture? Well, there's God's word in Scripture, and there's human traditions, human teachings outside of it. The Pharisees' problem is they've put things the wrong way around. Given God's words, uh, uh, God's given us words in Scripture to obey, and they're more concerned with following human traditions that people have made up. Even, Jesus says, when their traditions actually get in the way of obeying God. That's the whole point of that Corban stuff. In Scripture, God's command is clear honor your parents. Lovely to hear from Elizabeth how, um, how their family is taking that command really seriously. But the Pharisees came up with a loophole. Uh, if you vow to God the resources you'd otherwise use to support your parents, then you can hang on to your stuff while mum and dad collapse into poverty. It looks pious. You know, I can say I've dedicated my stuff to God. It'll go to the temple when I die. How religious am I? but actually it's outright disobedience. And in that way, Jesus says, verse 13, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you Pharisees do many things like that. So what are we to take from Jesus' words here? Well, Jesus is showing us his priorities, uh, showing us the right way around, that God's word belongs above human traditions. See, Jesus doesn't really care if we eat food with clean hands or unclean hands. Uh, the Pharisees cared. They were obsessed. 
But when it comes to religious traditions, Jesus is relaxed. There are human rules. Take them or leave them. Jesus' priority for his followers is that we obey God's commands. So it doesn't really matter to Jesus whether we go on pilgrimage or not, if we get confirmed or not, if we observe Lent or celebrate Christmas or Easter, uh, what we eat and drink, how exactly we pray, the musical style we use in worship, uh, whether in church we wear robes or not, or process or bow or we don't. Uh, Jesus is relaxed about those tradition-type things. What Jesus really cares about is whether we keep God's commands, how we treat our parents, how we speak about people when they're not around, whether we forgive one another, welcoming in outsiders, doing our work with integrity, giving to the needy. God's Word above human traditions, that's the right way around for us, according to Jesus. Now, don't mishear me. Um, we're not saying there's no value to tradition. Uh, there could be great wisdom, for example, uh, in spiritual disciplines not commanded by God in the Bible, uh, like reading your Bible each day, uh, or coming to the church prayer meeting each month. But Jesus, he wants us to keep God's word primary, to examine our traditions in the light of Scripture, to change them if we need to. And I think as well, keeping an eye out for leaders who downgrade God's word and elevate their own ideas above it. Well, that's the first way Jesus responds to the Pharisees. Uh, part two, verses 14 to 23. We'll spend a little more time here. Remember, the Pharisees were all about uh, following traditions to avoid defilement. Well, Jesus, he's addressed the tradition side of things. Now he comes on to this problem of uh, uncleanness. And what he says is massive for us, and it cuts to the heart of the Pharisee system, and it's all about the heart. Jesus says, defilement comes from the heart. See, for the Pharisees, defilement worked outside in. The problem's out there. You need to stop it getting into you, otherwise, you'll become unclean in God's sight. Well, verse 14, Jesus calls a crowd to himself. Uh, what he's got to say is relevant to everyone and says, listen to me, you must understand this. It's really important that we get this. Because verse 15, Jesus says the Pharisees have got defilement the wrong way around. It does not work outside in. Defilement happens inside out. Now, Jesus' disciples struggle with this. Uh, we might too. But Jesus wants us to have this the right way around in our thinking. So he starts with a biology lesson. Look, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. Um, I think someone put it this way. You, you don't buy food, you rent it. Um, it only stays in you temporarily and then passes out, Jesus is saying. No, Jesus wants us to focus on our hearts, verse 20. 
Jesus went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. As Steve was saying earlier, it's not very encouraging, is it? It's pretty, pretty devastating to hear Jesus say those things. And when Jesus talks about our heart, he's not talking about the bit of us that pumps blood around our bodies. He means the control center of our personality, the bit of us that thinks uh, and feels and loves and hates and makes decisions, the driving seat of our behavior. Everything we do flows from our hearts. And therefore, Jesus says, the evil things people do are symptoms of a deeper disease, that we have a heart problem. In other words, Jesus says the Pharisees have got the problem all wrong. The defiling stuff is not out there, but in here. It's the ugly stuff that comes from our hearts that defiles us before God. There's something wrong with us at the deepest level. So whereas the Pharisees said, be careful you don't become defiled, Jesus says, you are defiled. The Pharisees were obsessed with staying pure. Jesus says, realize you're not pure. And because the Pharisees didn't get the depth of the problem, their solution was useless. You know, traditional washings might sort out dirty hands, but they can't clean dirty hearts. Or put another way, inside-out problems cannot be fixed by outside-in solutions. Um, a good education, going to the right school, behavior management, adopting rules for life, protecting people from bad influences, changing the law, whatever value those things have, and they do have value, they cannot change our hearts because inside-out problems can't be fixed by outside-in solutions. Now, it's really hard to take, I think, even as Jesus' disciples. Maybe it raises questions for us. Questions like this. What about all the good in people's lives? I mean, all sorts of people, Christian or not, do all sorts of good. You know, I, I was just thinking kindness to strangers. You know, I, can think back to being short of money for the bus, and a complete stranger giving me a fiver and not wanting anything in return, never going to see me again, not going to get anything out of it. And that's just a trivial example. It might not seem to fit with Jesus' words here. Well, this isn't all that Jesus thought about human nature. Uh, Jesus taught from Genesis 1 that all people are made in God's image to reflect God himself. And so all people are capable of great good. But here, Jesus is teaching Genesis 3, that God's image bearers have all become sinners. And that doesn't mean, thankfully, that we're pure evil, but it means we're now a messy mix of good and evil. 
Uh, the writer, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, put it this way, that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, classes, political parties. You, know, you don't have good people and bad people, but the line separating good and evil cuts through every human heart. And here's the point. God looks on our hearts where he sees the seeds of every kind of evil. Others might not see it, but God does. And we know what we're like, that as well as having good within us, there's evil too. That's what Jesus is putting his finger on here with our hearts. But something else we might think, what about things out there? You know, surely they matter. Um, external stuff does impact us. Our environment, our upbringing, uh, our relationships, medication we're on, trauma we've experienced. Well, I don't think Jesus is dismissing uh, the formative, deeply formative influence of those things. Later in Mark's Gospel, he'll talk about things that cause people to stumble outside stuff. But nonetheless, Jesus is saying that when we sin, the origin of it is in here. Um, to illustrate this, you might have seen this before, I've, uh, I've got a table and a cup, um, and uh, I'm going to tip the cup over, and now the table's wet. Don't know if you can see, now there's water on the table. And the question is, why is there water on the table? Well, I think the obvious answer that leaps to mind is, well, because Michael, you tipped over the cup. Um, you, you did that. And that's true. But more fundamentally, more deeply, there's water on the table because there was water in the cup already. Um, the table wouldn't be wet if I tipped over the cup and there was nothing already inside. Um, me tipping it over triggered, uh, reveals what was already in the cup. And in a similar way, um, our circumstances may be the trigger for our sinning, but they're not the origin of it. When I'm in a traffic jam and the traffic won't move, I lose my temper. Or when an attractive person walks by and I find myself looking at them the wrong way. Well, I can't blame the traffic jam and that person for my anger, my lust, because those things have just revealed what was already inside my heart, uh, triggered my anger, my lust to spill out. And in that sense, stuff outside of us doesn't corrupt us, it shows how corrupted I really am. Parents don't need to teach children to be selfish, it just comes naturally. We don't catch sin, it's inside us. Which leads to a final question then. Is Jesus just trying to make us feel bad about ourselves? Maybe that's how this lands for you. I have enough problems already, and now this too, evil in my heart? How could it be healthy to think of myself that way? Does Jesus want me to hate myself? And the answer is no. Jesus does not want you to hate yourself. That's not why he's saying this to us. No, he's showing us what we're like, not so we feel bad about ourselves, but so we go to the only place real cleansing and real heart change is found. Jesus himself. I hope we hear this. 
Jesus is the sin doctor who diagnoses our problem and gives the cure. He is the clean one who touches unclean people and cleanses them. Others could only wash outside in. He is God in the flesh who can wash us inside out, change our hearts by His Holy Spirit. And on the cross, out of love, Jesus put Himself the wrong way around. The purely good one took the punishment that evil hearts deserve. More than anyone, Jesus sees the absolute worst about you, stuff no one else sees, and He loved you enough to die for you. So where does this leave us? Well, it means that we can do what the Pharisees couldn't. See, the Pharisees couldn't be honest that their problem was really in here, because they could never fix a problem that deep. Following Jesus, though, it's different. If it's one thing you take away from this morning, I hope it's this. We can be real about the evil in our hearts because Jesus can deal with the evil in our hearts. That honesty is the real-life difference this makes. Trusting in Jesus, we are clean in God's sight, spotless. By His Spirit, there's genuine change from the inside out. So we can deal honestly with the evil in our hearts, be real about it, because Jesus can deal with it. Let me finish then with some suggestions for how that plays out. And maybe there's one of these that you'd particularly like to, to chat about with others, maybe over lunch. Um, we've called this series Table Talk. Well, maybe over the table, there's something here you want to talk about together. Here's one, expectations. That rather than having a naive view of ourselves, we're not surprised when sin leaks out of us or leaks out of others. Sadly, we expect that to happen. Or how we do apologies. When we lose our temper in a traffic jam, it's the difference between these two kinds of apology. Uh, I'm sorry I lost my temper earlier, but the traffic just wasn't moving. I couldn't help it. It just happened. That's blaming our, blaming our circumstances and excusing ourselves, isn't it? Uh, saying, I'm sorry, but the real problem's out there. Jesus means we can, we can give honest apologies. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have lost my temper earlier. There's evil in my heart. Please forgive me. Here's another one, one another. Because we know there's evil in our hearts, we're not defensive when others suggest we might have got something wrong. Actually, we're grateful when, we, when, when they help us notice problems we hadn't seen. Uh, the other week, I told my small group that I was struggling with being irritable. Uh, please pray for me. And someone said, Michael, do you think part of the problem might be that you're not very thankful? That was really helpful to get me thinking with what's going wrong in my heart. And here's a big one. Given that our hearts drive our behavior, we make it a priority to examine them. Now, when we notice bad, uh, bad patterns, it can be really useful to make kind of practical uh, adjustments, uh, putting accountability software on our phones, limiting how much alcohol we have access to, agreeing a cap on how much we spend, uh, establishing new patterns uh, and routines, really helpful stuff. But we don't stop there. 
Because God cares most about our hearts, we go deep. We trace our sinful behavior back to our hearts, and we try to figure out what needs changing in there, in my thinking, my believing, what I love. And final thing, we recognize that we can't change our hearts with our resources. So we seek help from the Lord, and we do it confident in His grace. Because trusting in Jesus, we are clean in God's sight, and His Spirit changes us from the inside out. Well, lots there. Let me lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you speak truthfully to us uh, about the priority of your word, uh, about what we're really like. Uh, Please help us to hear you in the right way, and thank you so much that though we are deeply compromised uh, at the deepest level, that you are more than able to forgive us, change us uh, from the inside out. Please, would you help us to be honest uh, about what we're like in these sorts of ways so we might glorify you for, our gra- uh, for your grace um, and know you better. And we pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, musicians are coming back up for, uh, for a final song. Um, what is the reason that we can be honest about what we're really like? <laughs>